On behalf of the Gamers Podcast, I apologize for the unannounced break. However, in order to provide you with timely episodes and fresh topics, we will now be moving to a bi-weekly schedule. Our next episode will be two weeks from today. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. I do love my trans men with no skulls and faces. <laughs> yeah, I thought someone say I identify as someone who doesn't fall through the floor and has a face. Will they have characters that I can identify with? Creepy floating eyeball reassignment surgery. Can I get that in real life? <laughs> I identify as Beholder Kim. Oh, God. So that's something we can mention. I don't have a lot to say about it other than it's cool, too. Uh, it's it's nice and inclusive of them. Like, it, yeah. the more these things hit AAA games, the less like I don't know. As long as it doesn't become only AAA games, could get away with it. Mm-hmm. But so, this was just announced today. Um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which is the next Assassin's Creed game coming out uh, this holiday season. Uh, they just announced that in addition to having a male and female playable protagonist, they, um, they're going to have a trans male uh, character in the supporting cast who is apparently uh, going to be pretty important in terms of giving missions and helping um, with the storyline. And I just read also that they don't really make a big deal of the character's gender or that i don't even know if it's mentioned at all yeah that's what that's what i was i was just wondering that how Mm -hmm. would i know if i didn't know that it was a trans male unless they kind of i mean i'm i am all for including varieties of people in interesting ways and certainly there were trans people at that time that we didn't call it that but there were people who were gender non-conforming and some of them were probably what we would call trans now but I really do wonder, like, how would you even know unless the character walks up to you and is like, yeah, I have a vagina. Like, what's going to happen there? <laughs> yeah, that's, like, I mean, we, we kind of touched on this before in a previous podcast where we were talking about, like, how do you bring that up naturally in a game? You right, know? especially a game like Assassin's Creed, I'm yeah. Like, well, uh, Dragon Age did it very naturally because it was doing it as a cross-cultural thing, like, with with the iron bull sitting there saying like yeah the canari like literally don't give a shit about this you like pseudo westerner people are really right i, I definitely see how you do it in a fantasy world but it's sort yeah. of strange to be like <laughs> here in, in... victorian england <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i kind of i mean although i guess assassin's creed has always kind of been about you know the subculture stuff that's in the shadows well that's there's uh, um they like to explore interesting historical periods and have kind of characters that actually existed back then that you interact with and you know their own fictional characters but uh, we mentioned this earlier but uh, in the beginning of every game they have that little thing that says this game was made by a team with them a multicultural team with diverse beliefs and that stuff and they're adding a sexual orientation and gender identity in there so that's just the other the other part to the story which it makes sense to um it's kind of like a it's not necessarily i mean it is a disclaimer right but um, i mean if they go much further it'll become like a legal disclaimer (laughs) yeah (laughs) if if it's a if it's two paragraphs long it's too much 
it's part it's part um representation getting the representation in there and also hopefully you know we are these we have these kind of people on our team we can do this thing in a respectful way there's probably some input from any trans people on the team and the in the character to make sure it's respectfully dealt with because there have been games in the past that have had uh, some trans related controversies that kind of blew up on the internet so this um hopefully this one is you know well done and well received Mm -hmm. by the everyone playing games and like mike said earlier hopefully it actually runs well this time (laughs) not a a buggy mess that'd Um, be the real peach wouldn't it (laughs) yeah I've uh, so, kind of fallen um, off. Interestingly, I mean, obviously, gay people were known at the time. Everyone's familiar with Oscar Wilde and his famous trial for indecency. Um, but I just did a little looking, and apparently, twenty years before that, there was this famous pair of uh, male transvestites who went on trial and they you know just like flaunted themselves walking around in ladies clothing in public transvestites in terms of the terminology then or terminology now um that's an excellent question i mean they i think were gay people who liked wearing women's clothes so it's hard to categorize so cross cross dressers they were cross they cross dressed uh, Mike, you said you had oh, something. Oh, I can explain if you want. Uh, yeah, go ahead. What just happened will make a much better intro. So, as you may know, the Pope has been visiting D.C. this week. I mm-hmm. I saw the Pope yesterday driving outside the gay bar, which was very surprising and humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, where? Which where? Which he drove, right past, he drove right past Nelly's. <laughs> oh. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, and it was especially strange, and I learned later that Apparently, this is, like, the biggest security thing ever, is the Pope mm-hmm. visiting this time, which was unknown to me, and the motorcade for the Pope seemed crazily large, but that's another matter. Especially so, for a fiat. <laughs> yes, well, that yeah, that, that was especially humorous. There were, like, all these insane cars, and then, like, here's a little gray fiat. Um but so the it was trivia night, right? And uh, I this did not come up at trivia night in a question context. But the best trivia that exists about the papacy, in my opinion, is what is called the cadaver synod, uh, which happened during the Middle Ages. And there was this pope. Uh, the pope was Pope Formosus. What a great name that is. And uh, he died, right? And then he was succeeded by um, someone who was then quickly succeeded by another pope who uh, was Pope Stephen VII. And Pope Stephen VII was a crazy person. And he, for political and crazy person reasons, went and got Pope Formosus's body out of the ground and or crypt and propped it up in uh, the, you know, chamber or whatever, and they had a trial. They had a formal trial of the the former pope's corpse, uh, at which point he was found guilty of terrible heresy and things, and they stripped the pope's corpse of his vestments and cut off his blessing (laughs) fingers and then threw him in the river. (laughs) So (laughs) there was a time... 
I think that where a to. pope dug up another pope, put him on trial, and then threw him in the river. I think that's a side quest in one of the original Assassin's Creed games, actually. It should have been. Joke. Yeah, that's a joke. It is. It's like the most amazing historical thing ever. And the pope's the pope's name was a Formosus. It just sounds like it's not real. But yeah, it well, it's like it's like one phoneme yeah. away from Formosus or something. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah. Every everyone on the internet, look it up. There's a really lovely, uh, famous painting of the cadaver synod that you can see. Um, so that's funny. Take, take a look at that. I don't think I want to see a lovely painting of something called a cadaver. You do actually. It's it's pretty bizarre and funny. Welcome to the Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Vasquez, and I'm here with Evan. Hello. Kevin. Hiya. And Mike. Hello again. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Pretty good. Good Good to be back. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you back, Evan, after a hiatus, short hiatus. And, uh, well, for all of us, I guess, technically, because this episode was a little delayed. Apologies. And to be fair, it wasn't entirely intentional. There were technical errors with another one that should have existed, right? Oh, really? Yeah. On the previous episode that we were recorded, I had, like, lost... I had done some editing and then lost some of the files and then got them back, but then I would have had to re-edit them all together, and then I was listening to it, and it was kind of all over the place, and it was just going to be really hard to put together. Yeah, so we, had, we had a pretty bad connection. Yeah. Oh, that too, yeah. Anyway, we're back on track. So that's good. Um, wants to sponsor the podcast? <laughs> yes, that'd be great. Um, sponsors, please contact us at thegamerspodcast at gmail.com <laughs> or contact us on Facebook. Um, so first we wanted to talk about Mario Maker. Um, it's me. And it's been thir- 30 years uh, Mario. It says Mario's 30th birthday. It, so. He hasn't aged a day. Yeah. <laughs> Except for when he, well, no, he was baby Mario at one point, right? So I yeah, guess he's technically, aged technically he's aged. But is there even like an official age for Mario? I mean, he like seems like he's in his like early forties, like thirties, late thirties. I feel like you can't even tell that. He's, I know you can't really. He's so cartoony. Like. Yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't have any gray hair though. So yeah. But he's got—he's kind of portly, so I mean, he gives off the vibe of being like an older <laughs> man, you know. He's like a plumber. You I know? mean, I—I I guess I don't. Wait, know. I don't know. Is what's Luigi's age in relation? Is he the younger? Yeah, brother? he's younger. He's younger he's meant one. to be yeah. the younger brother. Yeah. Okay. That is official, but they—I don't think there is any official age for Mario or Luigi or any of the characters. But Luigi and Wario are not actually related, or are they related? I don't think they're related. I don't think so. I mean, I... I don't know if there's any actual official backstory to Waluigi. <laughs> yeah, Waluigi is just an elaborate pun. Yeah, he's <laughs> just a, he's just an elaborate pun and a reason to have another character for 
the spin-off games like Mario Tennis. And... Right, I mean, wasn't he invented to be the tennis partner? Yeah, he was like invented <laughs> basically because Wario yeah. needed a partner. And that pun is that pun is just too good. And and because of the pun. Like I mean, Wario was meant to be, you know, like a parody of Mario, so they just wanted to create another version for Luigi, I guess. So but I don't think there's any official story. It'd be kinda interesting to make a game with them, I feel like. I mean they they made Wario Land. That's true, and the Wario the Wario games are fun. They are, they are, and they're unique because uh, I mean I mean I'd say they're not difficult by any means because you can't really die in those games. You just but there's still some challenge to it, and it's fun. You know, they're entertaining. They're, I mean, just like you can die and lose in the original Game Boy ones, can't you? Uh, I don't know about. I think the original possibly, but in all the other ones, you're never killed. You're just like you lose like your power ups or whatever. So like, I mean, the whole point, the whole objective that you have to like usually get to collect some treasures and get to the end of the level and you usually have to like collect some power up from some enemy to and get you have to, to the... be wearing the bull hat or whatever right or like be like you get like stung by a certain bee or something and you like fill up like a balloon and you like float up and stuff and then like if you get hit then you lose that power up so it's it's all about like making sure you get the right power-ups to get to the areas that you need to but you can't actually die really so it's interesting it's it's unique but it'd be cool for like there to be like a i don't know are you ready for a super wario maker yeah <laughs> well i think a lot of people have been talking about potentially a zelda maker um like where it would be just basically creating dungeons, um, which could be interesting. I, I mean, there's I more like complexity would, though yeah, to I feel dungeons. Yeah, like that would not work as well. Now, I have not played Super Mario Maker. It's not mm. super interesting to me personally, even though I like Mario and like platforming games. But I see how people could definitely make interesting levels and do well. Some of the old like hacks of things like super mario world are very entertaining and interesting right i feel like as you say asking people to make zelda dungeons with puzzles would potentially result in a far higher ratio of crap to good um well it reminds me of the the portal 2 engines for people making essentially dungeons and puzzles and sharing them with everyone else. And, like, I was never terribly enthralled by any of the, like, community-generated puzzles and maps when I played them. And, like, I'd come into it a bit late, even. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's... And that's only really with, like, a few tools that are pretty... Like, you have to understand them in order to get to that point where you're making maps anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mario Maker almost succeeds because because it's simpler and like yeah yeah you you fail by getting it more giving people more tools yeah i and that's and that was something that people were complaining about at first actually with mario maker because the way the game works when you first boot it up you're not even given all of the objects and tools and types of levels in the beginning they kind of want you to start out with very basic items and objects and a basic level and then as you play more, the more time you play, the more objects you place on the level, it'll say, "Oh, a shipment of new objects is coming." And so, and then it, and then it like unlocks other types of 
um, objects and other themed uh, levels and that I sort of I thing. I guess I can see why that would upset people, but I also feel like that makes it more accessible to more people. It does, and, and it also kind of encourages people to create some levels that are not just crazy let me put every type of enemy in and just like put it plop it into a level and on part of the other thing that really helps helps make quality levels is the fact that you cannot upload a level until you beat it yeah i think that was really smart that was really smart that's i think probably the smartest thing they could have done to actually ensure that the level is of some level of quality. I mean, obviously you still can make like a crap level, but I mean, at least it's beatable in some way so that it's not just like, oh, let me just make a level where it's just all lava and like 50 million Bowsers, you know, just sitting there and you can't do anything, you know? Or almost something that looks like it's solvable and then you spend 30 hours desperately trying to beat it and then rage quit and never open the game again. Right. You want to avoid that too. Yeah. Like, because there are trolls out there who would make something that looks just like it could be solvable and so simple and just that easy and then, like, just outside the parameters where it wouldn't work. Yeah. I think there's, I've heard there's some levels where people make something that's pretty much impossible and then they, like, hide some way early in the beginning of the level to, like, help you, like, so basically someone made a super hard level that I saw online mm-hmm. um, and they basically put a cape and an invisible block and the cape um, let you fly over all the really hard stuff. So they're able to beat their level by flying with this cape, but mm-hmm. someone playing the level might not know the block is there. Right. And then they'll just die over and over and over again. Right. I mean, there's still going to be ways to make a crappy... Like, if you want to go out of your way to make a level that's just awful to play, you can do that. Huh. But I think what they do helps encourage good level making. And, I mean, the fact that people... You can see, you know, on the lists of levels when you're looking online... You can see how many people have played it, how many stars. Like it's ranked by like how you know top top starred. Starred is like when you when you like a level, it's basically you can give it a stars and give it, it a yeah. It's like a thumbs up kind of thing. Um, so there's there's um completion percentages too, right? Like how many people actually were able to finish. The yeah, level. they have clear percentages and that sort of thing. Um, so I mean, there are ways and mechanisms to get better levels to the forefront but i mean i think other other games that have level making also have similar mechanics to kind of you know have ratings thumbs up 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 vote and down vote kind of thing uh-huh. but i think oh go ahead oh no i was just gonna i was just gonna say i think the way that nintendo made the game it's very intuitive and very easy to make a level so people i think get this kind of urge to really make something interesting and fun um, just because it is so easy. Whereas I think some other level editing games really are so overwhelming that it's just, Uh it's just not engaging or interesting enough. So there's only like 1% that's like making really good levels and the rest of people are just making some whatever bullshit, you know? I like that. Uh, as you build the level, you're also playing the level. 
and yeah. you have um that trail that shows you where you were so you yeah can, definitely you can like uh pretty accurately place things where they need to be in order to make the jumps just right yeah the so fact that, that there's a lot of attention to detail and that kind of stuff and also the whole creation process seems so um just more fun than any other uh, level creation i've really seen and that like you know you can like shape things and part and change them and part of the fun is seeing how you can modify things and you right. can put wings on everything and you could put the super mushrooms in anything and it makes them bigger right and all those other so it's kind of like a game figuring all that stuff out in itself right there's little surprises as you go along and you kind of figure things out and it kind of has like you know some of the quirks and charms of a lot of other nintendo games even yeah. though it seems very like straightforward that you're just you know placing items down on a level but like there's little things like you know on the screen on the tv screen i mean most of the action i mean most of the stuff you're doing is just on the gamepad like i've been playing the game a lot with the tv i don't even turn the tv on i just have turned my gamepad on and just you know played uh-huh. on directly on the gamepad it's a good use of the gamepad too it's kind of the best use of the gamepad it, it is a very good use of the gamepad um but what's really kind of cool is that if you do have the TV on, especially if you have other people in the room kind of watching you, um, you can like it shows like a fake model hand like placing all the objects. But you can like click the joysticks and swap out the hands, like change the color, the skin color. But you can also change it to like cat paws and stuff. So you can have like little hmm. cat paws like moving. So it's just little quirky, fun things um, that you find like you discover. And and also the fact that you can add other characters. I mean, it's it's entirely cosmetic, really. But you can add, about the, add amiibo. Add amiibo yeah, stuff. exactly. You can add Link or whatever. So you could, you know, jump around a Mario level level Put as, as Mario Link level. or Sonic or, or whatever. I don't think I knew you could do that. That's very interesting. It is very cool. And it's what's nice is also sometimes when you finish the level, it'll play like the finish music from that game. So like if you finish oh. the level as Sonic, it'll play Sonic, you know, the... the, the... Yeah, exactly. It plays that. <laughs> and when you die... The Sonic death sound is so dull, though. It's just... Doom. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Sonic for Crash. Sonic, yeah, yeah, that's like the worst one, actually. Um, but you just play that drowning music, no matter what you're doing. Just constantly play the Sonic drowning music. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really cool. I mean, it it has it's like another kind of it's similar to Smash, where it's kind of a uh you know a love of video games basically put into one game. You know, it's just like for people who love video games and love you know that's you know the creation of games as well it's kind of like meant for you those like those people who want to make games or who've always in you know envisioned themselves as a game developer yeah, so that's that i'm so sucky at that stuff i mean it's it's really cool and it requires a lot of um for creativity for and what sorry what were you saying i said it, for, for a player appreciating it requires some peripheral knowledge yeah all of the games that have gone before but right um yeah i mean knowing like knowing game mechanics you know is is helpful but the nice but the interesting thing about mario maker is that you can throw out certain 
standards and mechanics from Mario games. You can kind of change certain things about how the game works and how well, to beat a level. It, it's cool that they have uh, the different game sets with the different right. physics and the different moves. Right, because they do vary game to game. It's not just aesthetic. Um, like you can um, you can wall jump in the new Super Mario Brothers stuff, but you can't do that in the other game types. Right. Um, and, yeah. and, and different items available uh-huh. uh, among different games. So, I, I mean, I really enjoy it, and I, I like the surprises and everything. Um, I don't know how much lasting appeal it'll have but i really do enjoy it and my other question was you know mario recently the 2d marios the new super mario brothers games have kind of in my opinion have become a little stale and you know you mean they make the same game over and over exactly i thought thought 3d land was fun yeah well that's different those are the, the 3D 3D Land is is very cool. Uh, th- both 3D Land and 3D World are very cool. I'm They're... sorry. Did you say the 2D games were? Still... Yeah. Yes, the 2D oh, I'm games. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Clearly. Yeah. No. No. I, I I'm specifically talking about the traditional 2D games or 2.5D games, really. Um, but can, the, the can point. Can I say something about Mario Maker first? Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, mean well, well, I mean, it's this. I'm I'm going back to Mario Maker. My point okay. was just that. Where do we you know, go the, next, right? Like, exactly. Where do we go next? Because, I, in my opinion, those 2D games were becoming very stale and nothing really new was being brought forward. And now with Mario Maker, I felt like this is the, this is something extremely fresh and new and interesting and exciting. It's kind of what every Mario 2D, every Mario traditional Mario lover has wanted in a game. You know, or you know, you see people online making custom levels all the time but now it's like an officially sanctioned you know product right um so but what do we do now now that we can make your own levels where does mario go from here the 2d mario is that is what i'm referring to obviously 3d world and 3d land and galaxy those type of games will continue um but where does traditional 2d mario go from here now that you can make your own levels okay i think mario maker is I think a couple things about Mario Maker. One, it's probably the smartest like multiplayer thing they've ever done. And I know it's not multiplayer, but in terms of online integration and the fact that you see streamers and people on Twitter posting their level codes mm-hmm. and like it's kind of annoying that you put in like a 16 digit code or whatever. I know it, it is really annoying. I wish you could search by name. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of similarly named levels but it'd be nice to at least you know if there is something very specific or if you could search by user that'd be really nice you Mm -hmm. know but i think um they've just kind of realized how people use social media and stuff finally nintendo but um (laughs) they've uh it makes it really easy to just post your codes on twitter or like screenshots and people can find your levels if you're friends with them or people will like They'll go stream on Twitch and they'll be like, guys, just send me level codes and Twitch chat and we can play all these new levels. So I think it it interacts with um, streamers in a way that can give the game a pretty long lifespan, especially if I think they there's been some talk about DLC 
or it's a great game for DLC, and I don't know if they're going to add, like, slopes. Like, people want slopes DLC, but I think you can look at Mario Maker as a platform. Right. And this is kind of... I mean, I don't know if they're going to have a gamepad on whatever they do next, but if you can say the next 2D Mario game is actually Mario Maker 2, and it has mm-hmm. all these other... I don't know, it has actual Super Mario Brothers 2 or whatever one with the pulling up the turnips and throwing that and whatever. Or they can just keep adding um, different tools or different tile sets and stuff. And then they can have, I guess, maybe do like like world maps. You could basically flesh out Mario Maker for a while that would keep people interested in it. And more interested than just oh here's new Super Mario Brothers Wii oh here's new Super Mario Brothers Wii U oh here's new Super Mario Brothers Two for the 3DS or whatever if you kept that um, creative aspect to it and just added more content in there I think mm-hmm. that can last for a a while with 2D Mario right I I do see it as a platform but I guess I just don't see them being able to sell as many versions of Super Mario Maker as they could sell versions of new Super Mario Brothers, you know? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I guess that's true. It, it, I mean, it's... I As a consumer, I like it, but I'm, I'm just curious where they are seeing the future of 2D Mario games. So then you need new Mario mechanics for 2D Mario games? Is that what you're saying? Um, I mean, possibly, but I, I, I was just referring to the fact that they could sell more individual games that they've, you know, already developed that, you know, new Super Mario Brothers games. If, if new... As opposed to just selling Super Mario Maker and then Super Mario Maker 2, which can include the other games that they left out in the series, and that's about it. I don't know what else they could add. I think the goal is that Mario Maker tools are good enough that someone can make a professional quality level or mm-hmm. a series of Mario stages into a Mario world and maybe someone's like actual developers at Mario just like well I built this tool to make levels now I can make you know a Mario game that's kind of indistinguishable from what we were making in the past it's just now it's made out of like blocks and pieces that other people can use and learn from these levels and make because it's not that much i mean mechanically the game's not that much different from the standalone mario games right well i mean once you're playing levels no i mean it's essentially exactly the same yeah it's just it's just playing, it's just adding another playing discrete levels with no plot or well not that Mario plots. ever really had I know plot. but yeah no official yeah no official I mean there are levels that are built into the game that you play that they've already made like so technically you can play it without going online they have like the ten Mario challenge ten Mario challenge which is mm-hmm. like example levels of like what you could do kind of thing and i mean they're playable they're fully playable levels um and it kind of strings them together in um a small world 
basically that you play through eight levels and the last level is the castle level and you finish it um and you can keep playing that i don't know i i don't know how many levels are included but um you can play that as well as play 100 mario challenge which is um it it's like it depends you can choose like easy or normal mode where it's a certain amount of levels that are pulled from the internet of people who've created oh, them that's a good idea and yeah. if the level sucks and you don't like it you can swipe right and just skip it which is kind of cool <laughs> which is kind of cool um what if so basically there's a there's the other side this is like they don't want people to just buy mario maker and say wow i never need to buy another 2d mario game because right. this one's gonna have content forever right right that's what that's that's my question is like how are they going to convince people to buy another 2d mario game They're i mean maybe put that cat suit from super mario 3d but that's World. but that mechanic only really works in a 3d i know that's why it's funny yeah i mean they i mean they could add little things here and there i mean i think they there's enough content they could create a second mario like super mario a second mario maker game they could create a super mario maker 2 include the other type like you know include super mario brothers 2 which has slightly different mechanics with the turnips and things and um include whatever else they left out but um I don't know how much room they could go without making it too complex. I mean, if you're like, like if you're talking about 3d world or 3d land, I think that gets into the problem of how are you man letting people make 3d worlds is yeah. Well, I mean, technically, I mean, Yoshi maker, I mean, Island maker. I mean, (laughs) Minecraft lets you create 3d worlds. I mean, it's not a level in the sense that you're not playing through it to like beat, the level you're not going from a start to a finish you know it's but it there is some and, it is and a mechanic harsh i was on portal 2 earlier like it yeah. is a 3d world and that's part of the draw and it worked in the limited sense that they had it like well right. was, didn't the portal 2 level maker didn't it show you like a cube on a 2d plane and you edited it that way i don't remember actually i don't think i ever actually built one, i actually but... think building the levels in portal 2 and this is why i thought it was pretty clever is you're not inside the 3d space building the puzzles you're actually looking from the outside into the room into a, a cube represented on a 2d plane that was broken up into a grid so you can space the pieces um throughout the level but it was a uh, kind of like the mario maker interface and in that you're not like inside the level looking around saying okay i have to run over here and place this thing and then run over here and place this other thing you kind of edited it in a almost like a web browser kind of interface right. so like god's eye view yeah. yeah i mean it would be inefficient i feel like to do anything to do it you know where you're in the level but i think that kevin talked about this a little bit but the fact that mario levels are all 2d that's just that part of accessibility is right. why this game is more engaging to people who don't normally create levels in addition to being Mario, which they're familiar with. But... Right. I, th- I think it's just a combination of those two. It's, you know, Mario, which is so familiar and popular and the fact that it is relatively simplistic. So it's pretty accessible. Um, and just, I think Nintendo does a good job with it, with, with making things accessible and, 
engaging and fun. Um, and I, that's why I don't know how much more they could do with, you know, a 3d game or something like, you know, 3d world or whatever, because I don't think Nintendo would ever make a game like that, a game creation tool like that, where it's too overwhelming. If they feel like it's not going to be, um, accessible enough, they're not going to make it. I mean, just Nintendo won't do that. My assumption is that what comes next is make your own Mario erotic graphic novel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's already the um, the Miiverse uh, drawing pictures. And oh, there, there, there's actually some pretty erotic drawings on Miiverse. It's actually kind of funny. Rule um, 34 of the internet. <laughs> yeah. It's um, never wrong. Yeah. Um, Just think of Mario and Peach getting it on in those cat suits. Mm. (laughs) Meow. I love seeing uh, just like the best Miiverse posts like on the internet. There's just some really funny posts people make. Yeah, it's funny what some people can get away with too. Because I mean, normally Nintendo is very strict about it's like, you know, moderating Meverse and you know blocking things that are too explicit or whatever but it's funny some of the things that people get away with on there <laughs> so uh i think that's about it for yay mario mario um did you say yay mario or gay I, mario I said yay mario <laughs> yay so that's probably also covered under rule 34 i'm quite confident oh there's definitely mario and luigi slash out there <laughs> yeah Mario assessed. <laughs> Do you think they have hairy chests? I don't know. I mean, Italian. <laughs> I would assume so. Wait, haven't they been shirtless? I don't know. I, I in was in about... Sunshine, they have, they wear the Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, but it's not like I... low enough that you would be able to see chest hair, right? Well, if their chest hair was like really full and like up high, then maybe. Because I think it answer it, this. Uh, no, that's their mustache. What? I oh, answer the to answer this question. Do they do they have chest hair? This is the most important question we can ask ourselves tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a good Are question. they pears or twinks? <laughs> well, they're not skinny enough to be twinks, but Luigi. Luigi, I guess, yeah, but um Twas or Twunk or whatever. Well he's not like he's he is pretty skinny, so I guess he would still be cons- although he has a little belly, but not oh, nearly no. as not nearly as much as um, Mario, but anyway. Yes, moving on. Sorry. Moving on from Mario, we're kind of seeing you know a lot of competition. I don't know how successful it's going to end up being. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's still going to make these companies lots of money, but we're seeing about these VR specifically now. Um, not VR yet, but we will get to that in a second. Uh, I'm specifically talking about these all-in-one devices um you know the apple tv amazon fire tv um that sort of thing where and and, i mean to some degree we are seeing this with you know xbox one where microsoft is really pushing hard the you know tv 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 there's that there's like a funny video on youtube where they just edited out just they edited just the parts where they say TV and television and that sort of thing, and it's a long video. <laughs> of oh, that's, just... the, that's the original E3 Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, and... that's the original. That's when they're announcing Xbox One. They're talking about it, and there's a video of it's like it's like six minutes long, and it's like TV, TV, te- television, television, TV, TV, <laughs> like and for like 
couple minutes long. Yeah, that. I think they really de-emphasize the TV these days. Right. I think they, they got so much backlash, I think, from it initially that... They have a real focus on back on games now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't want to upset the gamers, you know. They're, um, we're all a very angry bunch, so... Excitable, at the very least. Yeah. So... I mean, but we are still seeing, despite, you know, Microsoft now kind of backpedaling a little bit, we still do see this sort of desire to be the device for your living room or whatever, you know, this all-in-one device that kind of does everything for you, you can play games on it, you know. I think it's more geared towards, you know, families or people who don't, who aren't hardcore gamers, but we are still seeing, you know, a big push for this where, you know, it's a device that you know, has some sort of app store where you can buy, you know, de- uh, questionably questionable quality games. Yeah, that's the thing know. is, I think, I think, um, so clearly we're going to get to an all-in-one device eventually. Um, but I think with the recent Apple TV announcement, and I guess, was there a size limitation on the games you can get? So size limitation really... in terms of hmm. what do you mean like the actual like megabytes oh sure. i don't think there's any limit i don't know um okay. i mean there's two versions of it there's a uh there's like a six i don't know uh, as far as the capacity of the actual apple tv itself but yeah local storage would be the constraint I imagine. yeah that local storage is really the constraint but i don't think there's anything in the app store specifically i don't know actually to be honest i'm sure there probably is some sort of limit I really don't think that the limit is going to be 100 megabytes. Um, Dot, I would, how for a TV screen size? Yeah, like, no, there's no way. Like uh, you, you, you could barely load a graphics engine for that unless you shop the graphics engine out and had to. Yeah, no, you yeah, couldn't. that doesn't make any sense, especially because they are keep, they they're touting this device as being like, oh, this has console quality graphics. You know, it's, but, you know, uh, I I. I... Okay, well, that's good then, because I was gonna say if that was if that mm-hmm. was true, then that's dead on arrival. Leaping stupid. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's still not marketed as a gaming console. Right. It's marketed as a streaming device that just happens to also have an app store. Um, and that's kind of what Amazon was also doing with their Fire TV box. Was that? I mean, they're they're pushing the gaming a little bit more. They're trying to with like the bundle that includes a controller, but I mean. The thing is, Amazon, I feel like, doesn't have the the third party support that Apple is going to have. I mean, I mean, the you know, obviously, the iOS app store, I mean, is just huge. Um, for well, mobile coming at it from the other direction, consoles have had Netflix and Hulu mm-hmm. and apps like yeah. that for forever. Right. So, if and coming from the opposite side of the spectrum from that, there's the Steam OS. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. basically turns a computer into a console for the purposes of attaching to a TV. Right. Which, I mean, it's it's basically like an HTPC just with the awareness that it's linked into the Steam library and you can just mm-hmm. stream, game, whatever well, you happen to have. You on know what's computer. really interesting, um, talking about different kinds of things and trends and stuff, uh, just yesterday actually um npd published a new survey that showed that if you survey um people under 18 uh 
there's been a seismic shift, I would say, in some senses in how people are playing games. Mm -hmm. So uh, the largest way that people are doing so, 63% of people uh, say that they're using mobile devices, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the console amount is kind of flat, a little bit down. But between 2013 and 2015, the decline in people between the ages of 2 and 17 playing games on a computer has dropped 22%. Really? Yes. Huh. This is anecdotal, but all these um, weddings I've been to that my family's been having, and I have, like, uh, little cousins, and they just carry around tablets and they're playing minecraft on them like yeah. on top yep, and i guess they can i mean they can all play together like in the same world so my um i guess my cousins they just kind of buy these really durable like old amazon tablets and these kids just spend so much time just playing minecraft on those things i think that i mean they're not related but when you look at something like Minecraft, is it kind of true that uh, people in that age range are also, like, totally focusing on one, just, like, one game? Probably. I I wouldn't know. But I feel like in some senses, Minecraft is the new blocks. Yeah, that's definitely true. Which is weird to me, but makes sense, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what, you know these people who these kids who grew up with minecraft what they are going to play as adults i mean are they going to be playing you know mobile type games as adults or are they going to uh, you know quote unquote grow up and you know play games on a pc or a console maybe maybe all of the games all of the game genres we know will die. Yeah. I mean, I, by the, I, the time I'm 60, all I'll do is play old games. Mm-hmm. It will be Candy Crush. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there will ever. I, yeah. I don't think traditional gaming will ever go away, but I do. It see, might stop growing. Yeah. I mean, and I, I do think that the, I mean, the whole landscape of the, you know, gaming is going to change. And that kind of, I think, is a good segue to it's talk all going to change and it's all going to be because of VR. Yeah. And we're just like one step away from uh, <laughs> yeah. holodecks and Star Trek. Once the we get VR, the revolutionary technology, technology that no one has ever demonstrated to me that anyone actually wants. <laughs> so I want it for the sex apps, but for nothing else. Well, you know, that's, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, but it like you, you kid sort of, but, it's actually true how uh, how much sick, like yeah. that like the push for VR with sex is huge. I mean, oh, I I don't kid at all. Every new technology gets used for sex. Yeah, so <laughs> fast. Yeah, I mean, smartphones and grinder. We we invented the dating app. Yeah, <laughs> I think one thing I've that's I mean it's kind of obvious when you think about it, but it's kind of odd how all this emphasis on vr it's kind of coming along with a resurgence of motion controls so if you look at like the new oculus controllers that you like hold in both your hands 
Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, if you're simulating that you're in an environment, you're probably going to want to interact with stuff with your hands. But like right. people, motion control was huge and then it died. And now people are seeing it's like a, a valid tool to use in conjunction with VR. Mm-hmm. But no one's taught like, and that's a really important part of the experience, the way you actually control it. But I mean, when people think VR, I guess they're still thinking mostly about the headsets and the 3D and the headsets and stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, sure they are. I I mean, I've continuously said to a lot of people when we when I talk about VR, I still don't feel like we've hit. Like, I mean, in the news and, you know, as, like, buzzwords, you know, it's VR, VR this, VR that, you know, Oculus, Facebook, you know, whatever, Sony, Morpheus, whatever, as, like, buzzwords, like, you know, v- VR, they just renamed it to PlayStation VR. Right. So, you know, there's all this buzz about it in the media that, like, oh, this is, you know, going to be the golden age of VR and everything, and this is going to take over and be the primary whatever for all sorts of media. But I honestly don't feel like we have hit that breakthrough that is going to make VR mainstream yet. I That's still, I, mean. I, I don't think there's not a demand for it. I disagree with you, Mike, that, that no one wants it because I think many, many people want it. I think the problem, I, I, well, it's not about the app either. I honestly still feel like the technology is just not there yet. The problem that a lot of people have with VR is they feel that, oh, I can't do that because I'm going to get motion sick. And that's one of many people's like, you know, especially older people, you know, I mean, I'm not always, but uh, typically people who are used to traditional displays are going to be like, oh, I can't do that because I'm going to get motion sick. Um, and part of that is because of the technology. Uh, I mean, Oculus has done some things. They just had their event today, their developer event, and I watched it today. Um, they didn't really make any major new announcements, but uh, other than Minecraft is coming to... So back to Minecraft. Minecraft uh-huh. is coming to Oculus. Um, can can but, you talk about the pricing? Uh, well, unfortunately, there is no pricing yet still on the Oculus Rift. What they did announce, uh, though, is that Gear VR is going to be released for $99. What is that? I have no idea what that is. It's like a peripheral so, for certain Samsung phones? Yeah, so it's to me it seems ridiculous because they're pay- basically you're paying $99 uh, for a piece of plastic with straps face. and lenses on it. That's it. It's just lenses, plastic... And it has a, I think, a touch. It has a touch input on the side, and then all you do is clip in. You clip in your phone, your Samsung, your Samsung phone. I don't know. I don't think. I think it will work with some other Android. I'm not sure, but it's definitely not iOS compatible. Uh, it's the idea that that would be used with, um, like, 360 degree video. Or right. I mean, it, it it's pre-rendered. geared towards. It's geared towards more casual experiences, and it's more. It's more accessible. Is what they're you know, te- like saying, oh, this is, will be, this is exciting. With, v- with Gear VR, you can have it in your backpack and just pull it out and clip your phone into it and have VR wherever you go. Okay. That, by the way, to get to tie what you, Kevin, said and what you just alluded to and to what I said before, it's not that I think people don't want it in the abstract, but I think demand for things does hinge on... Uh, 
a compelling reason to invest or get it or whatever. And when Kevin said, like, there's no killer app, I agree. Like, no one has... It doesn't seem like anyone's come up with that thing that really is going to mm-hmm. make everyone want to go get this mm-hmm. technology. And I'm sure someone will, and then it'll definitely be here, and I'll probably mm-hmm. buy one too, but I just mm-hmm. haven't seen that yet. Yeah, the chicken I, and egg problem is pretty huge with almost all tech adaptation, like adoption problems. Right, and it's, maybe it's, that's it's... because, as you alluded to, the technology maybe just isn't there yet to yeah. make that thing. I mean, I mean, the problem is one of the main problems with VR, aside from the motion sickness, I mean, that's part of it, but I think the other part is the interaction in a virtual exactly. space. That is the main issue. Um, the, one of the scientists that is working with Oculus um, had a presentation today at the event, and he talked about the six senses, basically, you know, and how we are essentially not even touching three of them with VR currently. Um, and, and and it's limited on on the others. So, uh, he, sight and sound we are definitely working with in currently with you know the Oculus and PlayStation whatever. But the issue is still that you can't focus on any point in the space. Your eye, I mean, you're able when you're you're looking around, you can focus on any object in front of you the field of view is variable but on a headset a vr headset that ver- that field of view is fixed so your their focus point is fixed and and everything else is still not in focus and, you know so you have these like sweet spots basically also an issue with the sound is that it's not entirely correct as far as the way the sound sound is actually a lot more complicated than it seems. I mean, you can't just plug in to you know like a regular earbuds and just expect and just have some recording that kind of like approximates you know 3D surround sound and expect that it, it'll be realistic enough. It's actually I mean the way that sound bounces off of everything and goes into the actual ear canal. I mean they actually have mic I mean it's an old technology that is kind of seen some resurgence where it's an actual ear. It's like they model an ear as the microphone. Yeah, it's, because it's like stereoscopic recording or something like that. Right. And and there's like a whole there's a whole like YouTube you can look it up. It's called like they call it like a, a massage for the ear, or like therapy, ear, th- you know, sound therapy and that sort of thing where it's basically like soothing sounds and they use like these ear microphones basically because the way that sound enters your ear canal, it bounces off all of your little lobes and, you know, the folds in your ear and that is very distinct and your brain can perceive the difference between that and when you you know, just put on regular headphones. So with regular sound, I've actually heard of um, some VR demos that mm-hmm. go like way better than I would expect. Like, have you mm-hmm. seen seen like gifs of two dudes with VR headsets on, and they're able to look at each other in virtual reality and throw like an object in actual reality from one person to the other and catch it based on seeing it in um like in the game or there's some people who like 
once you get these two controllers in your hands, um, it actually, like, you actually see, I mean, you see your hands moving in a virtual space, and then it's believable to you. So mm-hmm. I'm there's some things I've heard about it that are, I guess, would make me think it's further along than I could have realized or imagined. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this, this is, I think this is also the longest I've known of where we've had all these competitors in this technological space Mm -hmm. and no one has any idea of a price for these things. No one has any like the the only thing that they have release dates or Mm -hmm. anything. Well, it's supposed to be Q1 um, 2016 for Oculus or even the specs like, well, they have released the specs for Oculus um, and they have released pricing for Oculus ready um, sets from Alienware. Well, they haven't released specific prices, but they said from Alienware, from Dell, and from uh, Asus, I think, um, that are Oculus ready, that basically are the correct specs and have been tested thoroughly for Oculus. That Oculus, because it has, Oculus has pretty high required specs. Yeah. You have to render everything twice. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's stereoscopic. It's 90 frames per second, too. It's very hot, oh, very, yeah. very low latency. I mean, it, it, it's right. it's extremely computationally expensive. So um, they said that these companies will release sets that can be compatible with Oculus for under 1,000. That's all they said. So That makes me wonder about, like, the PlayStation one. Like, is that... Is that going to work with a PlayStation 4? Because the PlayStation 4 is not as powerful as my computer. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's what they've. That, I mean that's what they've alluded to. I believe uh, that it will run. So I don't know if it's just the FPS is not going to be as high, or the graphic capabilities are not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. I do not know those details. I honestly haven't really been following. Uh, yeah. PlayStation VR. I've mostly been following Oculus. Um, just, just strike your computer down, Evan. It'll become more powerful than you can possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, the what were we talking about before? We talked about specs. We were talking. Oh, I was talking about the sensations. So, um, so basically, and then the other the other is haptic. So that's a huge problem when you're you're touching. You know. You know, your sense of touch when you're interacting with an object. I mean, there's no easy way for us to have, you know, haptics that feel at any way in any way realistic when yeah, you I touch like an object. Is, I feel like that is the most serious. Problem. That is the most serious problem. I mean, they, he talked. He even joked. I mean, sort of talked about taste and smell. And I mean, he. I mean, it's kind of. It was kind of a joke, but I mean, he, it could potentially lead to compelling experiences in VR. But obviously, that's. But that's you know obviously a problem. He was saying you know that I'm going to leave to much, fu- you know future, uh, developers. But, um, but the main problems are haptics and, um, the actual sensation of acceleration. Um, so that was like what he was referring to as the sixth sense. Um, because we actually have like you know internal internally internally we have our own accelerometers gyroscopes in our body that sense when we are moving and so that you know that kind of that disconnect where you're seeing if you put on a headset and you see the world move around but you're not actually accelerating that's when people get motion sick so that's one problem you don't actually feel a sense of movement um, when you move around a space, 
for people uh, wanting to look this up later, the term is proprioception, and it's the ability to, in a pitch black room, touch your touch your nose without being able to see the organs involved. It's actually pretty funny. I'm but, closing anyway. my eyes right now, touching my nose. Yes. Oh yeah, that's what you're touching. I, I believe that. <laughs> But I mean, haptics is, I think, the biggest problem, and the and and once that problem is solved to some degree, I think that's when you're going to see VR hit mainstream and be engage in every almost every aspect of our lives. Honestly, I, don't think, I mean, I don't think I need Oculus to nail the haptics problem before they release a consumer version. But I'm not saying that Oculus should not release or that there should be no company that releases a VR headset without that. Because, right. because that, I mean, I'm not expecting Matrix-level VR. I'm not, you know, when I, when I say breakthrough, I don't, I'm not expecting, you know, Matrix. People continuously say when they put on the headset and they see characters or objects around them, they feel so compelled to reach out and touch them, and they can't. Well, you have to make some sort of conscious like decision to realize you're in a virtual space and you know what i mean like there's some we you have to i don't really know the phrase i'm looking for but like suspension of disbelief i mean i mean you have to have a suspension of disbelief to to be able to use a headset currently and i understand that i i mean i'm not expecting it to be perfect i mean because we aren't there technologically yet but I mean, anytime, anytime you reach out, you know, to a wall or a table or anything, your hand is going to go right through it, um, I, unless unless it's something that you can like bump across. I mean, with the Oculus Touch controllers, it can sense the position of your hands, and so that really does help you become a lot more immersed in the space. Well, yeah, and I want to I want to push back on the notion that we like we don't have the technology. I think the thing is we haven't implemented a lot of the technology we have towards building these haptic systems like it's not that hard to put a couple of gyroscopes on like buzzers that you wrap around parts of your anatomy that the 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 network knows where your arms and chest and hands are so that if you push and you get too close to something it'll buzz and give you the sensation of touching something it's not perfect but like at a certain point this this technology exists it's not been implemented yet either physical or software. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's also a problem of cost and feasibility. I mean, having a, an entire suit, I mean, is not easily feasible for an average consumer. But a sleeve, a sleeve with, like, Velcro around it and using, like, I mean, micromotors and gyroscopes and some wiring that we use in all of our cell phones, that's not expensive except for the R&D and actually building up a market for it. Yeah, and I mean, but the problem still with that is the fact that it's just a buzz. It's not, there's no force. I mean, it's not able to resist your movement. So, I mean, if you place your hand on a table, you're not going to get any resistance to that. Or if you grab an object in the space, you're not, your fingers can't grasp anything because there's nothing tangible there. Well, and there's ways you could get around that too. I mean, I think that we're we're reaching certain levels of material science and other areas that, as they mature, like mm-hmm. a, a a sleeve that essentially uses some sort of a, a compression gels that become harder and harder to move based on basically a software command saying this finger is stuck 
you can't move this finger in a in the rest of your hand because that sleeve compresses um and essentially like a, a tube sleeve of some variety that's molded to your arm these are things that we could develop right now they're outside of price point just because the economies of scale aren't there so we're and I think that as some of those economies of scale come down just from better manufacturing technology general other uses for these things like immobilizing splints and stuff like that that are quicker and easier to apply for hospitals whatever like th there are other uses for these technologies besides consum consumer entertainment that will help bring those costs down a little a little a little until it strikes some sort of level. I, I think that that technology exists to certain extents today, either in prototype in a lab or for some other. Yeah, there are there are certain certain things. I have seen some videos where it's an actual robot. It's basically a hand, a robot hand that has little, uh, and you have these. You have this glove that has little magnets on the tips of your fingers and you basically stick your hand on the robot hand and so it can resist your hand based on how you're moving and if you're touching an object. So it's really cool. That's smart. Because that actually does apply force. So you can actually feel it resist. So if you're grabbing an object, the robot is like pushing against your hand in the way that you would actually feel if you were grabbing the object. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. That actually does give you a good sensation. But I mean, obviously the feasibility of having that in your house is not you know it's not not possible. yet not, not yet yeah right. so i mean yes i i'm not saying that it's impossible or that we you know we're so primitive right now in our technological capabilities that we cannot ever possibly do it i'm just as far as like making it mass you know when i'm talking about vr becoming mainstream that's what i'm referring to as being the breakthrough like we need something I mean, not that you have to have, you know, this like force resistance, you know, for VR to be useful or engaging, but, you know, it is a big problem, I feel like. Right. And it'll obviously be a, a, a whole new layer of re virtual reality that people will flock to if they can get something that they consider useful out of it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's I, I, I'm happy to be the voice of techno -opt optimism in this area, but there's definitely yeah, ways that these things can be solved that aren't impossible in any real sense of the term. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not like faster than light travel where you have to really start bending some constraints of physics. It's an economics problem. Right. Then it's a, a, a more than it is a science problem. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting niche for a while. And mm -hmm. Just like gaming was a niche in computing for a good long time before it became a monstrous industry that is its own art form now, mm -hmm. like VR is going to be, I think, the same sort of thing in, yeah. in the tech world for a while. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting how, I mean, I, I think VR more so than traditional gaming, VR crosses a lot. It's very interdisciplinary, even more so, yeah. I feel like, than traditional gaming is um and so that's why i think it's kind of very interesting um you know it there's a lot that goes into making a compelling vr experience um it might be part of its problem actually because there are so many diverse stakeholders there's no clear interest in developing it for one group of people do you think all the porn applications already have all that haptic stuff solved 
Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Someone picking, dreaming big, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, don't they even have those, like, sex toys that, like, sync up with like a with like a porn video basically <laughs> oh i'm sure they do i think I'm, I'm pretty sure i've seen this somewhere where basically it's like a sex toy that can like it has like programmed like pro like programmed you know whatever in it to like vibrate or move or whatever in sync in with a video that you're watching yeah wow so Man, the 21st century we have our priorities right yeah exactly so i mean i'm sure there's going to be something similar to that with vr but as far as like general haptics go i, I mean the telesex can i just um, say i really feel like you should count the number of times the word haptics has been said oh man past 30 minutes <laughs> oh we've gone deep into this world, because yeah. it's, it's got to be like the largest number of times outside of like the <laughs> room in the history of humanity nothing wrong with that it's word. funny how often it's been said yeah i know well I, I i think it's just because it is to me the biggest problem and concern for vr and something that once it is solved in an efficient manner will be the a huge selling point and will make vr even more engrossing yeah i agree I mean, I also feel like, depending on what you want to do with it, moving is a big problem. Like, having having been in a sort of VR thing at a conference I went to on... It doesn't matter, but, you know, their solution was you stood in a giant hamster ball and walked around. And you could, in that way, walk around the space. And that was pretty cool, and it did... You, you you did sort of accelerate in the way you were talking about because you were actually moving faster and it made you move faster. Uh -huh. But you were standing in place and you couldn't see your feet and it was a curved surface, so it was really easy to fall inside the giant hamster ball uh -huh. and slide up the wall. And Yeah. They have... I have seen um, this basically... It's, it's, sim it's a similar concept, but it's not an actual ball that you're encased in. It's just a... Like it's a treadmill, but it doesn't actually move at all. Like it's, a three hundred and sixty degree treadmill. Ball. Yeah, like a hula hoop on. Yeah, you have a hula. It's yeah. basically like a harness on your waist to keep you from falling over, and you wear these special attachments to your shoes that have basically this little groove, this little peg basically that comes out of it, out of the shoe, and then you have these grooves that come that come down. Um, on this floor surface curved surface that you're standing on so as you run you're just sliding along it but you're not actually moving anywhere i can't wait for the gifts of people falling over well i mean that's the harness like holds you up like well, and all so it has like a stand cost, like a thousand dollars or two like I well that actually that actually doesn't cost that much because there is no moving parts to it um the I mean the harness like can rotate, but that's just you rotating it. And the treadmill, there's no actual like moving treadmill. It's not actually a treadmill. It's just it's just a circular plastic platform that has grooves in it, and your shoe has these plastic bottoms on it that just let you slide on it. So you're just and it's just curved. So you're just running in, in like this. It's basically like cut off the bottom portion of a hamster ball, you know, and you're just sliding along the inside of it. 
and you're as you're running but that still doesn't give you the sensation that you're accelerating that just lets you move your feet so that you can move in the game that's mm-hmm. it that's all it lets you do is it lets you simulate sort of running as a control method for actually moving which is good but still not a perfect solution you know so unless this acceleration thing is a huge motion sickness problem i think there's plenty of gamers who would be satisfied with just give me the headset give me something akin to those oculus touch controls mm-hmm. maybe one of them has an analog stick on it so i can move my feet around and i think that's good enough oh i mean gamers don't care of, i mean honestly yeah. gamers don't give a shit they would just they'll just like give me the headset and i'm just gonna play you know call of duty or destiny and i don't care uh-huh. like honestly like that's what they want and People that's cool i mean that's great but i mean I, i'm someone who wants to see it emerge as like a more compelling and experience than just let me just have a really large 360 degree imax screen for by you know first person shooter you know anyway that that's but that's me how i feel about where it could go or where i would like to see it go that's obviously the most like fully rendered version of what it could be but Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i mean but I, i i don't i just think we have a lot of things to work on before we get there um so i mean i'm still happy to see vr like you know like you were saying a lot of companies going into the space because that's good i mean that's good for innovation and for potentially for competition and you know creating new ways of you know we're because we're not really sure exactly how we should control the experience you know yeah i just think it's so interesting the way that this was a thing literally 20 years ago that people were interested in and it didn't go anywhere and now it's back to well the i mean i think it was be- mainly because 20 years ago we just it was just not technology technologically we just didn't have oh, sure anything. i just think it's i just find that very fascinating like that sort of thing doesn't mm-hmm. happen often enough to, i mean it was to the point that like there's a murder she wrote episode where jessica fletcher has written a VR game, and she goes to the VR company. <laughs> I highly suggest everyone watch this. It's on Netflix. Wait, oh, that's a real episode? Oh, that I'm not making that up. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher goes and writes a, a VR game, and she goes to the, the VR company, and the whole thing's set there, and it's it's hilariously wonderful and terrible all at the same time. It's, it's well, so, it's every, funny. It, if you know anything about computers or computer programming, it's like it's so it's stupid in every way. Also, yeah. Kevin Sorbo is the uh, like head of the VR company or whatever. So that's another weird thing. That's funny. Yeah, you definitely see a lot of crazy representations of oh, VR, yeah. like you know, in the especially in the I feel like in the eighties. You see a well, lot. It's more, it's more in the well, maybe the late eighties, but yeah, late, 90s, late, late eighties, early nineties. Right, I mean, right I think Tron, like no. Tron, was very you know influential with that and that's that kind of thing, and that became like very. I mean, not that Tron was explicitly VR; that was more just, but you know, right there. I well, mean, 
and and backtracking to something that Mike said a minute ago, that's like it's not the only technology we've seen a vast resurgence in like this before. I mean, we've seen in mobile computing and tech, I think a few times we've seen boomlets of things like, um, kind of before BlackBerry, you had Palm computing and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and before the iPad really kicked tablets off, you had that's things similar. that were like flat yeah. computers. Yeah. I, I, and I would also say similarly smartwatches too, because you would see, you know, Casio type watches where it was like, oh, look, uh, these functions that I can do on my watch. And it's, you know. Calculator watches. You say that yeah. like you've said that before. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the calculator watch yeah. in uh, elementary school. I I mean I actually grew up in the 80s little no. Um, <laughs> anyway, b- point is that like there is yeah, there are definitely, you know, other instances of technologies that kind of, you know, grabbed people's attention, you know, a couple decades ago and then now is kind of finding a resurgence because the technology is actually more feasible now or, you know. I remember I went to the fair or something as a kid some like th- anyway they basically had vr uh wolfenstein 3d and it was just a television you put on your face and you turn no matter how you turn your head the actual picture didn't move oh so yeah we've come a long way yeah a very long way yeah i mean I'm I'm very harsh on Oculus and VR currently, but I, I will admit that yes, there it it is impressive some of the strides we've made. I mean, the head tracking and the low low latency. The I mean, ninety frames per second and everything that with the hand positional tracking, in addition to the head tracking, is very impressive. I mean, it, there's a lot going on there, um, especially because they're especially the fact that they're wire. I mean, it's all wireless. You know. It is impressive, um, but you just have very high standards. I do. I'm just. I'm just. I really want you know that a really immersive VR experience, and I have high demands for it. Um, but I mean, it, as far as like the how I was talking about like kind of the interdisciplinary uh, kind of thing, it, it's it's really interesting to see uh, they were kind of pushing it a little bit at the conference today at Oculus as well of the sort of movie application for VR um, where they have the, they created this um, sort of short computer animated film called Henry. And it's about like this porcupine who like doesn't have any friends and he's having a birthday party. And then you're in his little tree house, like going to his birthday party you're the only person at his birthday party. Yeah, you're the only person at his birthday party. Um, but it, so it's like a little short film, but he also like reacts to you, like looks at you. So it's it's like it's rendered in real time. So it's not just like a um, pre. I mean, it, it is mostly like pre pre uh, configured, you know, movements and that sort of thing, animation, but it does render in real time so that he can kind of like look at you directly and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, the, the idea that you can like kind of explore, like there, it, 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 people said when they were viewing it, you know, you can kind of like explore the treehouse a little bit before he actually comes in the room. So you can kind of like look around and you, 
it's interesting. You but can't would, touch anything, though. But you can't touch anything, and that's we what a lot. We gotten the haptics for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that's what people said. They would like they they would always want to like reach out and like give him a hug or something or touch him. The point is, he's like a porcupine, Henry. It's a little porcupine, and he's like he doesn't have any friends because he always <laughs> like pokes people with his quills, and so. I also really I think it'll be really this relates to something we talked about preparing to do the recording today. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna love and laugh so hard at like the inevitable growing pains and horrible screw ups. I like cannot wait for the VR equivalent of aliens colonial marines. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> that, that would just be like the best thing ever. I love that. Oh, I would I pay think... I would pay I would pay good money to experience something that shitty in a fully immersive 3D environment. <laughs> uh, I foresee a lot of people be more lenient with like I think a lot of people are thinking or some people are thinking we're going to have a lot of walking simulators or some sort of just I'm exploring this space or I have something in my hands and hitting a zombie with a baseball bat or whatever. But I think people, I think the experience will be um, novel enough that people will just like eat up these very similar games in a different setting. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Just as long as I get my blinking corpses. Right. Or your, <laughs> your um, cheeky alien walking around. Right <laughs> <Yes. laughs> There's so many gifts that I can. Oh, there are so many. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Evan, Kevin, and Mike for joining me this week. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegamerspodcast.